It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner. Welcome into the Skinny Podcast, the weekly potpourri edition. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com digital sports columnist and editor, along with Rick Brewer. We look at national topics, local topics, and occasionally a wacky sports story or two that can sometimes actually be a non-sports story. we got a lot to get to today. Rick, hit it us off. First of all, by the way, it's presented, as always, by Joseph Chevrolet. Rick? Skinny, the American League won Tuesday night's All-Star Game 4-3. to Cleveland's Shane Bieber was named MVP of the game after he struck out the side in the fifth inning to preserve a 2-0 lead. Also, New York Mets rookie Pete Alonzo won Monday night's home run derby. My question for you is, do you care at all about the Major League All-Star Game? And also, how would you rank the All-Star Games across all of pro sports? I care more about the selections, I think. I, that's the more interesting thing to me. Um... No, I mean, not, nothing says an all-star game like 16 guys striking out, right? I mean, in today's baseball, what is more of a microcosm than, than that? Than, than 16, of the 27 out, 16 of them coming by strikeouts by one team. I don't, I mean, I, I think some of it is, I grew up in an era where you only had the game of the week and you only had Reds games on when they would, would be away from, from town. So you never saw any of the other guys at all, really. You got them on this week in baseball, and, and that was about it. So it was kind of a special thing to see guys from the other league, um, even to see some of the guys in the league that, that you're familiar with. But um, interleague play and all the TV now, I think you've seen all these guys. I don't know if I need to see them all in the same field at the same time or if that has any specialness to it or not. See, I, that's funny. I'm the exact opposite. I find I think part of this is the video game factor. When I was younger, and maybe for some guys it's, it's the equivalent of fantasy sports now. Um, when you're younger, you're playing video games. You know all these players because you're trading your teams. You're right. trading guys back and forth. So you know almost every guy on every team because you know all the names. But um, to seeing them in the All-Star game, is it more special well, here's because what I, of that? Here's what I was going to say. Back in the day, I used to care more about other teams. Like Now, for me, baseball is strictly... I follow the Reds 162 games a year. I care about what they do every day. And that's you you riding your team's wave throughout the entirety of the season is kind of the best way to enjoy baseball. I think it is too, actually. I don't, I don't really care about the Florida Marlins or so I don't care about the best guys in baseball. I don't care about the sport all that much, unfortunately. No, I used I, to love it. I no, I played fantasy baseball for a long time, probably gave it up about ten years ago, just didn't have the time and just kind of it just kind of went away for for lack of a better term. But yeah, I was the same way. I mean, I, I probably followed more guys then than I do. I mean, occasionally a guy will pop up on a roster today. I'm like, who is that? I mean, the All Star game is that for me. When I watch the All Star game, I'm like, man, I didn't even know that guy. Yeah, no, there's I, a, I get it. Occasionally, an All Star game that I did not even know. Yeah, I, I think the thing though is the home run derby for whatever reason is more interesting. It's more compelling. Well, here's the here's the other problem with the home run derby. They promote it. They do a great yeah, job. They do. Promoting they really. The stars they they in do. That game. Correct. They never do that the rest of the year, but during the Home Run Derby, yeah. they do a really good job of promoting their stars as individuals, letting us see their personality a little bit. Uh, you know, going all the way back to like Griffey with the backwards hat. I remember when that was yep. like a controversial thing, but that's how we got to know who Ken Griffey Jr. Sure. was, and it helped make him into a star. I think they do, and I'll be honest, the other thing I really like about the Home Run Derby that they've changed is putting the prize money in there. I think it's Last great. year it yeah. was a little bit, it added a little incentive, but it still wasn't enough. This year, a million bucks? I mean, it was more than Joey Gallo was making for the season. It, that that is pretty cool when when guys are are all of a sudden changing their you know their salary for the year by participating right. in the home run derby. It gives them a legit incentive, especially if they're younger. Yeah, and, and I like I like the, the the bracket format too. I, anything with bracket formatting is just great. I the, mean, it just is the bracket format. And this is this was implemented years ago, but the uh, the timer too. Yeah, you know, I mean, having the buzzer beater thing is kind of a cool factor as well. It worked out really well. No, I agree. I will say baseball is still the best of the all star games, and it's not even close to me. Um, hockey's a sham. 
Football is a farce. Basketball, you see better defense at the YMCA on a Saturday morning. I mean, it just basketball would probably rank second because at least they're playing the game. I mean, football, they're not even playing football. Yeah, football is by far the worst. Hockey is just a it's a. Is hockey is hockey a bad all star game? Or do people just not care about hockey? It's a bad all star game. Nobody's going to hit anybody. There's no checking. So it's just it's not again. It's not the same. Baseball. At least I can say this. It's basically the same game I'm watching. At least I'm watching guys trying man to man. I, it, it just it's it, it is at least well, the same closest sport. to the to the game. Yeah, correct. You, you don't correct. Really, It's not a team sport in reality. I mean, we say it is because you have all those guys out, but it is a very individualistic right. sport in in many ways and I think that's why you can still it's the same game you don't need like a strategy you don't need a bunch of practices no it's still the pitcher against the against the hitter and and, and you at least get those battles you just you don't get any of that in really the other ones in basketball it's it's hey you want to open 22 foot or take it you want to go down the lane we'll let you go down the lane it's just it's not the same to me I don't need yeah. 173 169 to be entertained I, I like basketball's all-star game more that ridiculous Steph Curry pass that I went off on this past year <laughs> but I like I like the basketball mainly because I, I just prefer basketball to baseball in general, but I, I, I don't like basketball because, oh, it's a good example of what these stars do when they play really competitively. I like it because it's the exact opposite. It's watch the guys who, who are in the best at their craft freestyle. It's, it's like watching a great artist just sort of draw on a notepad. You know what I mean? Like it's fun to watch them do crazy it, dunks and all this other it, it stuff. It is interesting that, that really though, the most compelling things in any of these all-star weekends anymore are the home run derby the and the slam contest. dunk and three point contest. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it overshines the, the games themselves a lot of times. I think it's always kind of been that way though. I don't mm. think that's new to you. I, I Define new. I mean, I'm old, so define new. <laughs> well, I mean, honestly, I get, define new. Uh, my, my, since the 90s. Um, all right, yeah. I, I've i always felt that way growing up, that it was always more about the, the things before. And because, again, I think it's about showcasing the stars as individuals, and it do, those events do a really I, good job. And that's where that. I go back to, for the most part anymore, now in the TV generation, where, where every NBA game you can get, every MLB game, just, there's just no newness to it. It's, it's not, I'm not seeing these guys. Heck, back in the day with the NBA, when you didn't have an NBA team in this town, I was you know fortunate at one point when I was really, really, really young, there was an NBA team in this town. But... You never saw those guys. You got maybe one game a week on CBS if you were lucky. So you didn't see some of the so you didn't see some of the stars even for goodness sake. So it was a big deal. I just I, I baseball at least I get it. it is it is the closest facsimile to the real thing. It is. And that, uh, that, that's what that's what at least at least it's that. There's no question about that. All right, Skinny, let's keep it moving. Staying on the topic of baseball, though, the Reds start the second half of the season Friday night when they travel to Colorado to take on the Rockies. They're currently in last in the National League Central, but are only four and a half games back of first place with a record of 41-46. and 46. My question for you is, where will they finish in the division, and what will their record be? It's a great question because I'm still, I'm still a believer. I had 86-76 and 76 to start the year. To do that, you'd have to do some special stuff at this stage of the game, and I just don't know if they're... They, they haven't proven to be capable of stringing together a bunch of wins in a row. They can get you a couple, and then they'll lose a couple, and then get you a couple, and they, they're a 500 team. And you take away the the 1-8 and eight start, what are they, Rick? They're 40-38. and 38. They're basically a 500 team. I think they're it's obviously slightly above, and I think that's what they probably are. I'll, I'll say they get to the 500 mark, 81-81, and 81, and I think they finish. That probably gets you third in this division. Uh, that is exactly what I was going to say, is I've got them 81-1. I think they end up 500. I all, you know, it's all I'm thinking. If they could ever string together just a two week stretch of great baseball, of of going, whatever that would be, four and two, eight and four to nine and three, something tells me this team would take off. But I just at this point, there's nothing that suggests they're going to do it because 
I mean, I it, thought coming out of the Milwaukee series, I really felt it good. Felt going, right, the, it they did. were right on the cusp. I'm like, at the very least, you're going to split this series with Cleveland. Boy, if you sweep this, man, you're you're suddenly you're a game under. You're probably three out. And I think they would have actually been two and a half out. As it turned man, out, man, oh man, you're you're right in the thick of this, despite a lot of things not going right. You know, Jeanette really hasn't played very much. Alex Wood still hasn't played very much. So, um, yeah, I'll go. 80, I'll go 500. I think they do get back to that. I do hold out hope that this could be an 86 and 76 team, but they'd have to do some special stuff. And I just, I don't see them doing that. I don't know how anybody could make a logical case for them doing that. Do you see any, I'm right there with you. I've got them 81 and 81. I've got it written down here on our sheet. I think they'll finish probably fourth. Um, but that depends on the rest of this division because everyone's jammed together so Correct. tightly. Do you see anyone I, sort of faltering or rising to the top? I, in the I think Central? the Cubs rise to the top. Eventually. I do too. I just think there's too much talent offensively. They're not great pitching wise and they've had some bullpen issues and I think they'll find somebody at the deadline to solve that. I think for the Reds though, you're probably looking more at the Pirates and Cardinals in terms of teams Correct. right there Correct. with. I think the and Cardinals. I'm, not, I'm not a Milwaukee guy. I don't think they have enough pitching. I just don't. I love the Who's back of no, no, Milwaukee. Oh, I just Milwaukee. Don't, yeah. I, outside of Woodruff, I don't like the rotation. I mean, obviously the back end of the bullpen's good, but um, I I can see the Reds moving past them, to be honest with you. I, I really could because I could see them going backwards. I'm not big on Pittsburgh. No, I'm not either. No, I think Pittsburgh's I think the worst team up, in the division. I think they end up in last. Yeah, I, I do too. I think they're last. I think the Cardinals are fourth. The Reds rise to third. Again, if they could just put together that two-week stretch that almost every team does and they haven't to this point, then I think you got a chance to believe. You know, you're going to get a chance quickly out of the out of the gate. I mean, because you do have the Cubs coming up, um, not not right away because they got Colorado right away, but the Cubs are I think right after that. So you got a chance to to see what we're, what they're made of at that point. Yeah, the one thing to look at is the Reds have had the toughest schedule in their division to this point. Right. So theoretically, they would have a little bit of an easier slate the rest of the way than some of the other teams in their division. So it, it, it's something just, to keep an eye on. I mean, the whole time you know Votto doesn't hit for two months, and now he's hitting. Uh, Suarez didn't hit at all in June. Um, you know, Puig didn't hit the first month, and now he said, "Give me those three guys on the same page for two weeks." Plus, Wood and Jeanette for two weeks. Wood and Jeanette returning, correct? And if he can return and return healthy and start hitting the ball, uh, you got some parts. You got some parts, but can you put it together? That's the question. All right, sticking with baseball, one more topic here. It doesn't look like the designated hitter is coming to the National League anytime soon. Baseball Commissioner Rob Manfred said that nothing will change with regard to the DH rule until the league's next collective bargaining agreement. Even then, he's skeptical it will get approved. I do not think it's inevitable, Manfred said. Remember, it takes three-fourths of the vote for approval. Hell, it was hard for me to get three-fourths of the vote to get elected. The next collective bargaining agreement comes up in 2021. Do you think Major League Baseball should have the DH in both leagues? No, I. It's the only thing that separates the two leagues right now. I, I mean, you got homogenized, you got interleague play, which commingles them. You, you would have. What's wrong with different rules for different leagues? If not, let's just throw them all together in a hat and have one giant league. Yeah, I, I mean that's pretty much what everyone, every other sport does. I don't understand why you think leagues I, I should like, be different I, in sports. I, I don't have a problem with it. We don't do this in any other sport, though. I, I, it doesn't matter to me. I like it in baseball. I like the fact there's two different sets of rules. I do. Then I mean, there's nothing. There's nothing to say that can combat that argument of, of I just like it. I I don't see any logic to why that would be a rule. One style of play in one league, one style of play in another league. But the problem is, it changes the game. And at the end of the day, you play for the same championship. You, you do, but you have to build your rosters accordingly to win your league first. You just do. Uh, fair enough. I mean, I I don't know how to argue that. I do not know how to argue someone who just says I like the rule. If you wanted to push come to show, I'd say get away, get away with it, get away from it entirely, punt it entirely. Pitchers, pitchers are on the, they're, they're out there, they're athletes. Grab a bat, grab a bat, Junior. 
Yeah, see, I just, I mean, if you're going to do that, then you're going to have to change the game a lot. No, you won't. These guys can't be specialists. Yeah, well, here, yeah, they are, because you know what? They're only going to get two at-bats in a game anyway. They're only going five and a third. No, but that's not the concern. The The bigger concern to me, I think, is that why why are you out there? You're, you're paying more money for your pitchers than any other position, essentially. Why are you out there having them run the bases and swing bats and slide and dive and everything else? Because you're a player. When when you're, When they're not like, that's not what they're practicing ever. Then practice more of it. Well, that's what I'm saying. Go ahead. Go ahead. That's what I just said. Yeah. You have to change the way you yeah. play the game. Go you ahead. have to make them players. They and, couldn't be specialists. Anymore. And I think they do in the National League. I mean, guys come out and take BP on a regular basis in the National League. Pitchers. Yeah. Even uh, bullpen guys. Yeah. And I think it's I a just, waste of time. I, I don't know. I, mean, I just like the fact that there's different rules in the different leagues. I've always liked that. I I hate interleague play with a passion. I just hate it. I don't know why I hate it. I just hate it. I'm just. I hate it. I hate it. Well, it, it, look, you go play your league. We'll play our league. And we'll meet in the World Series. Have a good day. I, okay, I mean, I don't, I don't care about interleague play, but I don't really, I don't understand why anyone would think there should be different rules. I, th- I think the AFC should have the two point conversion. The NFC should have to kick. I mean, I, <laughs> I mean, that is essentially. I, I'm what good with it. You're arguing for, yeah. The, the Eastern Conference has a 25 foot three point line, and the, and the Western Conference has a 23 foot nine inch three point line. Well, you know, we were talking about changing the three I know point that. rules uh, I, I know a few that. weeks back, and I liked the idea of the teams get to dictate it like the home run wall correct. in baseball. They you, get to have their you, own you, three correct. point line. We, 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 set it wherever you want. We don't shoot it very well, so we're setting that thing at 29 feet. You know what? We shoot it great. Put it inside like the old ACC when they had that 17-foot, 9-inch three-point line when they first started. Oh, we're gonna that was the best one. The three-point line would cut across the top of the key. That was that was a good look for courts. Yeah. For some reason, I don't know. How about we just stretch it out to at least the top of the key? Can we at least make it look somewhat uniform-like? Yeah, I, I don't... I get, I, I know everybody... Every, there's there's people that are so indignant about this DH rule that it has to go away. Or, or, or you have to have it but at least... No, you don't! Why? Yeah, I mean, I don't really understand why it was ever a thing to begin with. I don't understand why they ever decided they should have opposite rules. I don't care. I don't think you should do away with it because then you're essentially just making one-year positions meaningless in the sport. That seems ridiculous to me, especially with what these players are getting ba- paid. Why not have one extra position out there for another guy to get I, paid? I, I, I don't. The one thing I will say is this. I'm surprised the Major League Players Association has not fought harder for it in both leagues. I think because it does. I mean, it, it 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 would add to your constituency being able to play longer. It would add some guys to have a little more value at, at, at the end of their careers. Yeah, and that's why they have started to argue for it. In I know, but I'm so, now. But and dude, we're we're four, we're almost fifty. By the time they, the next collective bargaining, it'll be about fifty years since the DH was first invoked. I know, and it's it's really stunning that it hasn't been overturned by this point. But there's a lot of old guys like yourself exactly. who just decide it was this way once, so it has to Absolute. be this way forever. I, I like it. it. Yeah, I, I like it. It makes zero sense. I, li- I, zero logic I, I like it, two different rules. I like it. Two different leagues. I hate interleague play. I just hate it. I hate everything about it. You go play your league. We'll play our league, and we'll meet you in the World Series. There you go. I That's don't know, I know what else needs to be said about Thank you. that. All right. Thanks. A local legend will be laid to rest on Wednesday. Jared Lorenzen, the former Highlands High School and University of Kentucky star quarterback, died last Wednesday at the age of 38 after being hospitalized with an infection as well as heart and kidney issues. He still holds career records for total yards, completions, and passing yards, and is second in passing touchdowns at Kentucky. Lorenzen was inducted in the UK Athletics Hall of Fame in 2015. Skinny, I ask you, what will be your lasting memory of Jared Lorenzen? How athletic he was for how big he was. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, everybody kind of poked fun at the hefty lefty stuff and, and, and all that and the Pillsbury throw boy. But, man, he was an athlete. And he just you don't see athletes like that. I mean, you literally you don't see an offensive lineman throwing the football 50 yards from their knees or 70 yards in the air. You don't, you, and for those that didn't see him play basketball, I, I mean, 
he, he would. He would grab a defensive rebound, and Derek Smith, who was a tight end um, at Kentucky and with him at Highlands, um, who's arguably the best all-around athlete I've ever seen in Northern Kentucky, and maybe even in this area. He was yeah, just He ended absurd. up playing basketball at NKU at correct, point. Correct, yeah. correct, after, after he'd be, uh, had a tryout with the Colts. Um, he would grab a rebound, and Derek Smith would just take off, and he'd throw a perfect touchdown pass, and Derek Smith would go dunk it. I mean, that was, I think that was after offense. If you could count account for that being an assist, he probably had 30 assists a game. Um, <laughs> It, it, just a freak athlete. I, the, the, one of the great plays I remember, I was I, I actually broadcast the uh, East-West Senior All-Star game after his senior year. I've but, heard about this play multiple times and from multiple people. There was a shotgun snap that either dribbled back or went over his head, but bottom yeah, line, it went, it, head it, went, it went behind him. It went behind him. He goes back and scoops it up in the end zone, and he scrambles to the left. He's left-handed, so he scrambles left, and at about the left pylon of the end zone, he stops, plants a foot, Throws it all the way from that pylon to the other sideline on the other side of the 50. Wasn't, it wasn't a perfect pass, but a guy's sitting there wide open. But again, think about the length of how that pass had to be thrown. 75 yards? Correct. Probably? Correct. I mean, I yeah. mean the, the greatest throw I've ever seen in my life, ever. He made one his freshman year at Kentucky, too, and there was a lot of controversy because Hal Mummy named him the starting quarterback over, I believe, Dusty Bonner, and, and Dusty had come off a pretty good year the year before, and it was, boy, is this kid really that good? First quarter, and it wasn't the first play, but it was damn near close to it. He threw, had a receiver going up the sideline. He'd beaten the corner. The safety was coming over late, and it was it was a, it was a go pattern, but it wasn't one with a lot of top on it. It was almost a line drive missile that if he doesn't throw it the way he throws it, the safety easily comes over and picks it. It's probably not even a really good throw to make because the safety read it. I don't think he realized how good the guy's arm was. I mean, it was Quint McCord right on the money, gone for a touchdown. I mean, he he just did things like that. I mean, he just uh, athletically, it's just hard to to explain to people because he became a cartoon character, sadly, at the end. Um, and, and that's unfortunate because, man, he was just a, a ridiculous athlete, and it's just really sad. I think that's what I'll remember about him is when you're growing up in an area, there's always those guys that – played before you but weren't like too far ahead of you to where you're right. like they're not your age necessarily but they're kind of the guys that everyone talks about as you're growing up those are the sort of the stars or like quote-unquote legends of your area when you know the guys that sure. you kind of want to be when you get older he was that in a way that i don't know that any other athlete has ever been in northern kentucky even sean alexander who played at boone county high He's school ridiculous. and went on to be an nfl mvp did not have we didn't talk about Sean Alexander and the plays he made and, oh, he did this at this All-Star game and he did that one time at this field. One time when we were at Connor, he did this. And, like, everywhere you went, someone had a Jared Lorenzen story. I'm sure they did. Or a story about this time Jared Lorenzen did this here. Or if Jared Lorenzen was at a game, the refs would come over and be like, man, you should have seen him back when he played. He And they'd tell you a story. Like, the same way you just did, you told us two stories right there, right off the top that immediately came to your mind. Everyone has multiple Jared Lorenzen stories like that. And everybody, I, I think people don't also believe the ones where he would literally get on get on a knee or both knees at the 50-yard line and throw a ball through a goalpost. Yeah. I mean, and you're like, wait a minute, nobody does that. You don't do that. See how far, I'll tell you what, do this next time you're on a foot. Grab a football, go to the 50, get on both of your knees and see how far you can throw the thing. Yeah. I don't care how good your arm is. You you ain't getting it 25 yards down the field. And he split the uprights. He's He became legitimately Northern Kentucky's Football version of Paul Bunyan. Correct. I mean, the no, stories correct. were correct. larger than life to begin with. But they were legit. And they were legit. And then people just kept building and building on top of them to the point. I mean, now it's literally become fisherman stories. With, You're right. With everyone saw him do something so ridiculous. I mean, and then the other part that's really been cool, I think, since he did pass last week, has been the outpouring of support from people who just want to talk about 
what a good guy he was mm-hmm. and how kind-hearted and funny he was to be around. And that is the one thing, um, just when I was covering high school sports, he was coaching quarterbacks at Highlands. Um, you know, like Pat Tolles was right. going through there at that time and everything. And, and he kind of had, had a big impact on their football team. So I, because I was covering the sport at that time, I, I ran into him and talked to him a little bit and stuff like that. And that just the normal interactions and just being around him, how much he enjoyed talking football to whoever it was or talking about UK or the passion he had for Highlands and Kentucky and Northern Kentucky and just this area – just a really nice guy to be around. Not, I mean, down to earth, uh, totally unassuming, uh, just a really fun guy. Yeah, I, I mean, when I heard the, heard the news he was in the hospital and family was around him, I thought, man, is this really happening? It's, is this really happening? It did. It hit hard, really, yeah. because he's so young. And the other thing that's really sad is it really felt like he kind of had a, a broadcast career that might have been right. blossoming. He was right. really funny on air. Yeah, no and question. was doing a lot of stuff with like Kentucky Sports Radio yep. when football season was around. So Very sad. But yeah. uh, I would – listen, sometimes the fisherman stories are, are – are, they're they're not they're embellished. I'm telling you, whatever you hear about his what he did athletically, nobody's embellishing it. I, I promise you, no one's embellishing it. It was he was that good. Yeah, and if they are, it's rooted in some truth. There's it's no rooted in a it. lot of truth. Yeah, yeah. I'm the telling stuff you, he did the, was the one the story you've heard in that All Star game. I broadcast the game. I was there. Yeah. I saw it firsthand. Trust me. I I did the play by play for it. I've had at least three. That that game's starting to become sort of like the Freezer Bowl or something. I keep. I, I swear I've had at least three that, people tell they me there? they, they yeah. saw. That. I believe. I'm sure and they I, did. I know. I know you were broadcasting the game, and I I've had three people tell me about that exact same play insane yeah all right skinny switching gears now the united states women's national team beat the netherlands 2-0 in sunday's world cup final marking their second consecutive championship and fourth overall megan rapino put the u.s on the board with a penalty kick in the 61st minute and then cincinnati product rose lavelle put the game away with a goal from 18 feet out off a solo run up the middle of the field in the 69th minute of play my question for you is rose lavelle's goal in the world cup the most special sports moment ever by a local athlete that occurred in a women's World Cup on a Sunday. Yes, I'll, I'll give you yes. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm saying I, what, no. I, that, can, that, that, that's my qualifier for it. What can you do as an athlete that's bigger locally than scoring a goal? In a I, I know Cup? You're, you're gonna you're gonna roll your eye. I mean, dude became an all time hits leader. He's a Cincinnatian. No chance. It's bigger. I I no would chance. think to the to the vast majority of Cincinnatians, absolutely, it's bigger. Absolutely, it's bigger. I, I mean, th- there's just no way. I'm just t- absolutely, world, it's bigger. Soccer is the biggest sports sport in the For world. For Cincinnati, if you pulled 50 Cincinnatians and asked them the biggest sports moment in Cincinnati history for for a Cincinnatian, I guarantee you, Rose Lavelle might get mentioned five times. Might. And I'm not just dis- look when she scored. I even went, "Wow, how cool is that?" I, I'm the same way. I'm just saying. I don't know. I can't. Uh, okay, so what, what would you what would you want to do if you could choose one thing that you did in your sports career to be remembered remembered for when you come home? What would it be? Would you want to be the hits leader of baseball? Would that be the best thing you could do? I, if I played baseball, I would think so. Well, no, I'm not saying. I'm saying what if you could do anything in any sport? What is the like the pinnacle, the highest level you can achieve personally? Anyone? Oh, I was yeah, saying, for you. I, I'd like to dunk. <laughs> <laughs> okay but i mean what what is that thing where if someone from here did it you'd say that's the best achievement you could possibly have in sports uh an olympic gold medal i think's up there so how i think it's up there but this is this is way better than that I, again iconic moments become the all-time hits leader in major league baseball that, it, that's a pretty that's a world sport too oh. Oh, of, of course. Look, that is absolutely, I mean, that's probably the one that's right there with it. When I was thinking of it, I mean, I start, I was thinking, okay, what'd Griffey do? And when you think about actual moments, it's like, uh, maybe the 500th home yeah, run. Yeah, but, it, but it, it, all that is is a milestone along. That's not right. the I don't, milestone. I don't, it's great. Don't get me wrong. Oh, of it's, course. Yeah, but he, he had great moments, but I don't think there's one moment of his that would be like, yeah, that's as good as this moment. Um, the uh, Pete Rose's 
career breaking or record breaking hit was the one that I came to is probably. The, I mean, is the there best. anything else besides that? that? I was asking you. You're you're the historian. No, I know. In this yeah, room, no, so I was I, wondering if you had something I wasn't thinking of. No, not off the top of my head. I'm trying to think if somebody won an Olympic boxing gold medal back in the day, and I'm missing off the top of my head. I probably am, but it obviously didn't stick with me. So yeah. Um, I figured there were other Olympians. I think we had some divers, maybe yeah, that we might did, won we gold did. medals. But to me, a gold medal in an individual sport, while very, very cool and very personal, I mean, like to your family and everyone, I'm sure that's really cool. I don't think that really gets remembered. Like the U.S. Women's National Team is a big deal. People care about this in a way they don't care about most Olympic stuff. I, I would. I, I still go back to I, go to go to Fountain Square, do the Fountain Square 50, and just ask them. Ask them the most iconic moment in Cincinnati sports history for a Cincinnatian. It's got to be a Cincinnatian, yeah, or Northern Kentucky, whatever. At least Greater Cincinnatian. I mean, I get, I get your point. I get what your point. Most people around here are going to like baseball more than they do soccer. Correct. Right. I, I just think, in terms of actually, what is the best moment? Though I think I would rather have the goal in the World Cup okay. than break the all time. I yeah, I, I'm 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 still I'm going to disagree. But I, again, I think what she did was cool. I think it's great. Yeah, it was. I mean, it's just. It's one of those things where... I didn't it, turn the game on until the 67th minute, so... That well, you, got, you got it right in time, though. Almost dead in time. It's funny. I turned it on, and about a minute and a half later, she scored the goal. So, But here's... You know what? I forgot about the game. I really did. All of a sudden, I was like, oh, crap. Yeah, they're playing, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They, oh, there they are. Yep. 67th minute. That's just me. <laughs> um, it wasn't at the forefront of my mind on Sunday. Yeah. I mean, that's... I that's, was looking more forward to the t- the golf tournament up in minnesota i was looking for more forward to that that day I, I would argue you were probably in the minority in this case I, no no i'm not telling you i'm not telling you somebody else shouldn't I, i'm just telling you that it finally hit my mind of all of a sudden i'm looking at the cloud went, oh yeah i think they're yeah they're playing now aren't they or is it, yeah yeah they, i think they are click right there they are yeah i mean i, I look the 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 support i don't know if support's the right word but just the buzz that the women's national team created um, this time, yeah, around. I think they did some of that themselves. I think they, they, right or wrong, or whether they wanted to or not, they drew a lot of attention to themselves right off the bat with that with that blowout game. And I'm not telling you we discussed it already in the podcast. I don't think it was wrong what they did. I don't think it was wrong how they reacted. But all of a sudden, man, there was a lot of attention on them for that, and that that maybe was a good thing for them because it made everybody go, "Hey, I, I need to watch." Well, and it started well before that too. I mean, them winning the last World Cup and then coming in—I don't as know, the heavy this, favorites. Yeah, but it felt like that game sparked a lot of people's interest. Oh, it, a lot of people it, on both sides of the fence. It definitely did. But I think there was more notoriety and interest going into this than there's probably ever been for a women's World Cup in this country. And you add on to the fact—I don't that, know, man. I think that first game did a lot. I think it woke a lot of it woke me up to it. Yeah. Oh. I'm not, I'm not saying it didn't bring some casual fans in for sure, but I'm saying just in general, I think this world women's world cup for that reason and others was more, there was more hype and buzz around it in our country than there's ever. Well, been. And, and I mean, then you because had to, we and, knew and, there was and, expectations. And, correct. And you had to get through France, which wasn't going to be easy and it was not easy. So that, that was part of it too. But um, I don't know, man, I still go back to that, that, that first game, the, the, the just all the buzz it created, both positive and negative, and both pe- people taking both sides of the fence of it. Again, it's the old, any publicity is good publicity. And I think for them, that was any publicity. It woke some people up to go, I got to check this out. Or these, they really act like jackasses all the time. Or, hey, I hope they kick somebody else's ass like that. I'm, I'm just, I'm telling without that, I don't, I still don't know if there'd have been the, quite the buzz it turned out to be. I really don't. I think that started it. And when you keep watching it, and if you have a level of patriotism and all of those things, you do kind of get hooked on it. And you do want to see them do well. And you want to see them win. And it became more interesting. It became more interesting to me because of that. 
How weird do you think it's going to be for Rose Lavelle now? Because, I mean, she went from the most unassuming looking little girl, essentially. Yep. I know she's in her 20s, but she looks very young. She's very small. Um, I don't think she's the type of person that she goes out and gets recognized a ton, probably, ahead of the World Cup. I mean, it happens, but not a lot, I wouldn't imagine. Now, I, I can't she, imagine many places I, she can go where she's not going to be recognized. I mean, I, I, my goddaughter's sister played soccer in high school, and she she loves the sport. Big FC Cincinnati fan, loves this team. She, she always says, "If I met Rose Lavelle, I'm not sure I could speak." And I'm like, "You're, Isn't you're that crazy? thirty years old. Come on, now you're. It's it's not. You you keep, you're not that person." But she said, I, I am. I, I don't. I, what what would I say? Go. Congratulations. Be a good I'm start. I'm a big fan of yours. I mean, I, what else do you want me to tell you to say? The one thing I saw that was really cool, I don't know if you saw it on Facebook, but Mount Notre Dame posted a, a the pic- picture when she, with Mia yeah, Hamm. No, it was, it was her grade school. It was her grade Mount school. Notre Dame. Yeah. yeah. Poster in the Mia Ham shirt. And that's exactly what this was like. That's exactly what this felt like. Because I remember back in 99 when I was a little kid and everyone cared so much about right. that team. And it really did spark a generation of girls who wanted to be. Two decades later, that's a generation girls. tour. Sure. Yeah. And that just did, they just did that same exact thing. I mean, there are really going to be girls that grow up wanting to be Rose Lavelle now. And no question. That's, that's and not special, just in Cincinnati. And that's really the thing, cool. not just in Cincinnati. I mean, Cincinnati no, girls no, yeah. would certainly look up to her. Now you do that on that stage. You're right. Across the country, people, I guarantee you, there are little girls that are going to wear, she was wearing the Mia Ham jersey. Little girls are going to be wearing the Rose Lavelle jersey. No doubt about it. That's, that's pretty awesome. <laughs> Sticking on this topic for a second, equal pay for the women's team has been a big topic surrounding this entire World Cup. And that conversation has only grown louder since the U.S. won. To make one thing clear before we discuss this, it's important to understand that the U.S. Soccer Federation is in charge of paying out salaries and bonuses to the men's and women's teams that come from revenue generated by games, sponsorships, merchandise, etc. Then FIFA is responsible for paying out the prize money from the World Cup. The difference between the prize money pools... For this year's Women's World Cup, the pool was about $30 million, with the U.S. taking home $4 million. In 2018 Men's World Cup, the pool was $400 million, crazy. with the champions taking home about $38 million. So the champions of last year's Men's World Cup took home about the entire pool that everyone split this year for the Women's World Cup. So people... Didn't just about. They took, took, took $8 million more. And that's where you need to start the conversation. Yes. It's not yes. just... It's not that the U.S. government is shysting these girls at every turn. No. Part of it is that there is a giant pool of money that FIFA is paying out to the men that the women is just not equal. And, and, I, and that, I, that, that's where the conversation does have to start because, again, you... You are you are paid what you're what you're worth to a large degree, and what people can bring in. It's it's like the WNBA and NBA. You're not going to pay WNBA players the same as NBA. You know why? Because you're not getting even close to the same level of revenue. It's a, it's a dollars and cents issue. I don't think anybody's trying to shortchange these these women. And if they are, if it's by sums of thousands of dollars, then shame on them for doing that. But I don't believe. I, honestly, I, in my heart of hearts, I don't believe that to be true. So there, and and here's the problem is that most people, and certainly us, are not. We don't know the finances Correct. of this enough to make. And educated, I don't know if they do either. Uh, well, and and here's where I think they need to to draw the line. You just brought up the NBA and the WNBA. The giant difference between that situation and U.S. men's and women's soccer is WNBA and NBA are two separate entities. They have their own finances. WNBA supports itself. But I would be willing to bet you that sponsorship dollars that roll in for men's soccer is far greater than women's. Right or wrong, far greater. Well, here's the problem. Here's the bigger issue. We don't have transparency. They sell them together. No. They, They sell those packages like TV packages are sold together. A lot of the sponsorship dollars are sold together. So... 
Yes, you're right. The men probably may bring... I'm not even going to say probably. I'm going to say they, they may bring in more. Yes. Well, right now, I guarantee you they don't. You could not sell more advertisements for this men's team than you could this women's team I right now. I don't know. Well, they, they've, they've got... It's, it was in the Washington Post. The women's team has generated more money in sales um, in terms of at the games, ticket sales, and also in sponsorship money over the last few years. But also, I mean, the men didn't make the World Cup last Correct. year. So that's a big reason Correct. for that. That, all that being said, I think the solution for this is very, very simple. I I have no doubt that the women are getting shortchanged. They're probably getting they're probably not getting as nice of facilities as the men, not as nice of travel, things like that. That's what they're complaining about. That's what their lawsuit is. I fully believe all of that. So the, the issue here to me is simple. Split them apart. Right. The men earn well, what they earn. Yeah. The women earn what they earn. And if the women earn more, good for them. Right. They get more. And I think right now, they probably could. And when you get into like pay structures and stuff, like the salaries that U.S. soccer is actually paying these people, the, the collective bargaining agreements are totally different. The women have guaranteed money. The men are all paid off of bonuses. So you can't really compare right. the way they're being paid. It's, it's not that much different. No, I believe you. Yeah, split them. If the women make more money, they get more money. Good for them. Right. I think it's very easy. Yes, there's been a bunch of guys in control of the U.S. Soccer Federation. And yeah, I think they've probably done a poor job of trying to market the women and trying to maximize their profitability. Okay, great. Separate them. Let someone focus on the women. Let it all be run by women if they want, and they can worry about getting them the most money possible. Absolutely. I, I'm, I'm good with that. I think they should. Get, they, their goal should be to get as much of the advertising dollars for themselves as possible, because that's really where the women's national team is going to make up the money from the money they're not getting in the World Cup, you know, the prize money. Well, they can also do some of that stuff on their own individually, too. Well, that's what, and that's what I'm saying. They yeah. need to make sure they have as much control over that because some of that stuff they have to do with Team USA. Yes, and it's but, pulled together. but some of it you can do on your own, too, and Definitely. rightfully so. And, and, and yeah, and that's and that's where, you know, the big stars, now Rose Lavelle is in that group, Megan Rapinoe is certainly in the sure. group. They're going to make a lot of money doing that. The concern is probably some of those other, the ones who don't start, the ones who aren't the stars, how do they make up the money? It's a little bit more difficult probably for them, but that's I'm with you though. That's I, I economics. Mean, yeah, and I, I'm with you though. It, split them up, and again, if, if the men make less, that's on them. If the women make more, good for you. Yeah, I, I think the, the problem with this argument is it's just being too convoluted by people that are arguing a bunch of different things. That, like People are yelling at the U.S. government constantly. It's like, well, hold on, they're only paying like, they're paying them about the same. Right. It's really the, the prize money is where things get really different. And then there's some other discrepancies that the women have been complaining about. And I think the solution is that separate them. Separate them and do exactly the way, do it the way you want to do it, however you can afford it. No, agreed. I, I think that is a, the right solution. Good for you. Skinny, with regards to the equal pay conversation, yes. I do have a little challenge here for you. Okay. Because we were talking be about good. sponsorship. We were talking about advertising dollars. And I'd like to know like, who is more recognizable right now um, for someone who's not a big soccer fan like yourself. Is yes. it the men or the women? So in front of me right now, I have the U.S. men's national team roster, and I have the U.S. women's team national roster. And I'm going oh to let you try to name as many players as you can off of each team. All right. We'll start with the men. I'll start with the men. Landon Donovan. No. Um, Freddie Adu. No. Um, Alexi Lalas. <laughs> no, but he does good TV he work. He does do, do good TV work, actually. I like Alexi Lalas. Um, it ends there. Truthfully ends there. Really? You, can, you cannot it. get one? No. Okay. Not a chance. Fair enough. Not a chance. If I said, so I looked at this, and there were only two names that I recognized that I had ever heard. I was going to say, did, heard. You, did, you, did you know? I, I knew two names. All right. Do you, had you ever heard the name Josie Altador? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yep. Okay. I have. So that's yep. one. Um, and the other name that I knew from here was 
Michael Bradley. Don't know him. I know Michael Bradley that played at UK for a while and played in the NBA for a little bit and was a coach at Seven Hills or Summit or one of the schools around here. That Michael Bradley? Not that. Not the same I guy. Know, I know an author, Michael Bradley. Also not the same guy. Not the same guy. All right, no. let's move on to the women's national team. Name me as many women as you can name off the All national right. team. Rose Lavelle. Megan Rapino, Ding, ding. Alex Morgan. Ding. Carly Lloyd. Ding. And it stops there. Really? Yeah. You couldn't get Zach Ertz's wife? Uh, oh. No, no, I didn't know. I know, yeah, no, I, I, I should have, but I'm I couldn't. So, yeah. I'm sorry, yeah. PC no, you're right. crowd. No, I'm sorry for no, that. That's I good. Have said yeah, well, um, <laughs> she's more famous. Um, Julie Ertz. How, how many could you have done? Uh, I, I could have gotten uh, probably all, almost all the starters for the women. Dude, okay. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I watched most of the work. I, 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 I watched it very casually. I would flip it on and be background noise, and I was happy when we won. So I got four to four to zero. I didn't know Josie Altador, so four to one. Yeah, four to one. But you didn't know Altador off the top. Of your Not head. off the top of my head. No, nor nor did I. By the way, I just when I looked at the roster, he was one of the two names I recognized. That was it. Yeah, I, I thought Tim Howard was on the team, but I guess he's not on the team anymore. In relation to Dwight Howard. No, the goalie. Oh, that's all. Oh, I, I do remember him. Yeah, okay. You know Tim that's a good call. He's not on the team any longer? Not on the team any longer, I don't think. Based Poor on the roster I just had in front of me. Do you have the roster still? Yeah. <laughs> Let me look. No Tim Howard. Um, nope. Uh, I was going to see if there was one. Uh, nope, there's no one name guy. I was like, I thought there may maybe one name. None of these guys ring a bell. Pele's not on there? Nope. Okay. Will Trapp doesn't even ring a bell. And Will Trapp sounds like a very simple name to remember. Will Trapp sounds like a kicker from West Virginia. <laughs> it's perfect. That is perfect. <laughs> Skinny, there's a new Vegas favorite to win the 2020 NBA championship. Last week, we talked about the Lakers owning that title following the additions of LeBron James and Anthony Davis. However, Oh, no, we didn't because I said they were still a guy short. Yeah, we we oh, talked about the possibility. Gotcha, okay. However, the rumored addition of Kawhi Leonard never panned out for the Lake show as Leonard instead opted to sign with the Clippers after he convinced Paul George to ask for a trade there as well. The Clippers sent Shea Gilgis-Alexander, the former Kentucky guard, and Danilo Gallinari, three unprotected first-round picks from the Clippers in 2022, 24, and 26, the right to swap picks with the Clippers in 23-25, plus two first-round picks from the Miami Heat to the Thunder in exchange for Paul George. They are now plus 350 in Vegas to win the 2020 NBA championship, followed by the Bucks and the Lakers, who are both at plus 450. Do you think the Clippers should be the favorites to win it all now? And the other question is, do you like all the parody? I in the love NBA the now? parody. See, I'm a big fan of the parody. I, I told you that last week. I like the fact that I can't pick somebody to win the West. It's pretty great. Despite the fact you wanted to throw the Lakers down my throat. The Vegas, Vegas can't even uh, pick Correct. who the favorite is anymore. Correct, which is probably good this for is them, great. too. It's good for them. I think, yeah. it's, I think it's good. For, look, I am one that doesn't watch the NBA in the regular season. I don't need to see the Knicks get beat 111-89 every night. Well, I don't want to see it. Will this make you watch it more, or is the season still just too long? It's still too long, but I probably would watch it more, yeah. I, I probably would. Just because we don't know how it's going to turn out, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I would think the last month based on, I mean, let's face it, usually the last month of the NBA is who's going to be the 7 or the 8 seed. Who's going to sneak in the back door, especially in the East? Who's going to get to the 36th win to get the 8 seed and get blown out in the first round? Yeah, or it's or it's like the favorite, like the Warriors or when LeBron was with like maybe the Cavs. It's, it's are they going to go from the 4 seed to the 1 seed or are they going to stick around? You know, because yeah, usually they got that late surge right, thing right. going. But yeah, I mean, you're talking about seeding and this, you know exactly you who's might, going to be in the finals. You might have jockeying from 1 to 6. I mean, we don't know who the best two or three teams are. I mean, does anybody get to 60 wins this year? I mean, you would obviously think so, but... I don't know. I don't know that there's a guarantee of that. Because the one thing you have is the best teams are going to be fitting together all types of new pieces. Yes. So there's going to be adjustment periods for them. 
Um, the other thing I really like about this is we know like the whole super team thing is definitely like a big deal. It's everyone's trying to do it, but now everyone's trying to do it. So they're watered down a little bit. Correct. We also now have a bunch of great duos instead of a bunch of great trios. trios right. And that changes the ball game a whole lot. It more. changes it a ton. I think, I think it makes it way more interesting. We've seen a whole lot of good duos that couldn't get it done. Yes. And so, I mean, now when you start talking about LeBron and Anthony Davis, but there's another great duo right there in the West with them, or two more great duos right there in the West with them, it's not going to be easy. I This is the most excited I've been for an NBA season in a long well, time. Well, I, I told you, I, the, the Lakers could also be a team that is an Anthony Davis or LeBron injury away from being a 500 team. Well, I mean, yeah. honestly, they, I mean, they really are. But, but I mean, you could say that about most teams and their star. I think they're the, yeah, but I think they're the ones that are the, 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 on the shakiest ground still. They're I really the most do. top heavy. Y- yeah. But I mean, I think that's always LeBron's teams. That seems to be the I, way his teams I always guess, are. But it just feels like the, they, they were almost on the cusp of being a super team. And now you're looking and going, damn, we're an Anthony Davis injury away from being, eh. That's the one reason I do think the Clippers are probably legitimately the favorites. I and think you have a winner. Because they Dude's had, a winner. Well, and they had a good young core that they were building up before they brought in these two stars. Now, and, and I like Doc Rivers. I think Doc Rivers is really good, too. I, I think there's that factor. I, he's really, really good. I don't think you'll find many people that disagree with you there. The guy can coach. Yep. And uh, I think he also knows how to get a locker room to, yes. to mold around him, kind of, and, and buy in. So I, I think they, they are the favorites. I think that I mean, Vegas has it right. Honestly, were Pierce, were Pierce, Ray Allen, and Kevin Garnett a great trio? I mean, I'm talking like the— no. Yeah, I don't think so either. Um, I think they were good fits. They were great fits, but you also had like a Rondo yeah, in there that was like super right. tough and at the peak of his game. But my point is, game. I mean, he, he still never had really that super, super team. This this is probably the closest to those Celtics teams he's had. Maybe even roster-wise, maybe this one's a little better at the top. Oh, this one's better. Yeah. This one's definitely better. I think those, that, that Celtics team fit together so well, and then you just had guys that were at the right point of their career right. that were willing to sacrifice and do all the right things and, and were still good. Um, but this is a better, more talented team, I think, without question. I, man, I mean, the West is really good. It is, and then you've got so much parity in the East. I know. I, no, I think it's, I think it's good for the league. I really do. I, maybe I'm going to be wrong. Maybe it'll turn out TV ratings suck, and people do want to just see the stars and who the stars are playing. I mean, I know that's always been the argument. Everybody hates the Yankees. Everybody hates the Patriots. But what do people do? They watched the Yankees and they watched the Patriots, right? Yeah, I mean, and, and had Kawhi Leonard gone to the Lakers and played with everybody LeBron hates Duke and, and, and hates Anthony Kentucky. Davis. But but guess what? When Duke and Kentucky are on, people are still watching over other schools. I mean, yeah. it just is what it is. And don't, and I would have loved watching LeBron and Anthony Davis play with Kawhi Leonard. Like that would have been a lot of fun to watch. I would have liked to seen what those three looked like and how long they could keep that trio together for. But. I'm even more excited about this now. I mean, the fact that they just created another power yeah. west, a team that was in the same city. Here's the other thing I really like about this is teams that are on the come up now trying to do the right thing instead of just tanking. They're trying to acquire pieces and start building and starting to compete. And, and the Clippers did that. They competed a little bit last year. They had a good end of their season. They didn't just tank. And don't forget, they got rewarded for that. And they tore down. I mean, they were on the cusp of being that next team when they had Blake Griffin and they had Chris Paul. They weren't quite there, right? They were right. still a piece away. But they've gone from, what, within the last six or seven years of tearing that down and now building it back up to this? Yeah. I mean, that's pretty good. Yeah. That doesn't have, I mean, the Lakers feel like they've been in perpetual rebuild since Kobe left. Right. Oh, I mean, look across the league. There's teams that just keep doing that cycle. They they start the rebuild and then it never pans out, so they just keep ta- they tank again and start the rebuild over I mean, it again. It took Philly forever, and they're still not quite there. Skinny, let me, let me keep this uh, sort of on topic here with our, our next question. Ramona Shelburne from ESPN wrote that superstar players in the modern NBA have tremendous power and contracts don't really matter. 
Paul George forcing a trade with a year left on his deal in OKC is just the latest example. Kawhi Leonard forced his way out of San Antonio with a year remaining on his deal. Anthony Davis forced his way out of New Orleans with a year and a half left. Paul George previously forced his way out of Indiana with a year left. Jimmy Butler forced his way out of Minnesota with a year left. Kyrie Irving forced his way out of Cleveland with two years left. And those are just recent stars who have done so. My question is, do you like the fact that NBA stars hold so much power and can dictate whenever they want to leave, regardless of their contract? Yeah, it's going to be hypocritical. I mean, I don't. I mean, I, 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 it's almost like take my ball and go home. Oh, I don't have enough players around me. Oh, I can't play. I got to go take my ball and go home. Same time, it makes it more interesting. I mean, it's made the league more interesting because guys can shop themselves, and it feels like most teams capitulate to those guys who want to shop themselves. I mean, in theory, if I was OKC, I almost would tell Paul George, pound sand, you're on, you're signed to a contract, play for us. Now, again, the relationship sucks at that point, probably, um, but it just it feels like it's a lot of I'm taking my ball and going home, and I, I hate that. I just hate everything about it, but it, it does make it interesting, I will tell you that. I think the flip side to that would be Isaiah Thomas and a guy who – Hasn't earned his stripes quite, right? Did it all right. Did everything right. He played hurt in the the playoffs for the Celtics after his sister died and was emotional and did everything and had an MVP caliber season. And then he, because he hurt his hip and he didn't quite recover from that, he gets traded. And now he's like, he's fighting to stay in the league. Correct. He had an MVP caliber year, could have gotten a max contract, and then because he was hurt and no one really cared and they were just milking him dry for as much they could get out of the player... Now no one cares that the guy should have got a max contract and he's just fighting to stay in the league, right? So that's why I don't... These guys, look, no one's looking out for them in terms of their money. So I have no problem with them saying, well, I knew you were I'm going to say do that. what I, I, I want to yeah, do. Yeah, I, I get that. But from a fan's perspective, I get the argument that if I'm a fan of my team, it sucks to like go buy a jersey yes. and, and a guy is... Well, maybe I'll teach you the lesson. You. Don't get emotionally invested in the guy. Well, there's that. But there's also the fact of... The other thing I like about this from a fan's perspective is... The league is so unpredictable now. No one saw Kawhi Leonard and Paul George teaming up with the Clippers. I no have, one. Right. There were, I mean, fans were freaking out in Toronto. They were freaking out in L.A. Everyone was wondering where Kawhi is going to end up. They were tracking his flights. He ends up in L.A., but with the Clippers, and no one saw that coming, and definitely no one saw him getting Paul George to come with him because that required a trade. So now you've got the situation in the NBA where the offseason is just incredible. Because anything can happen every single offseason. It doesn't even matter what the contracts say. No, you're right. You can team up the the biggest stars anywhere in the country. And to me, that, like, as much as it, it's hard to swallow, I think, as it's if, really, if that's it's your the thing. team, it is hard to swallow. If it's your team, it's hard to swallow. For the rest of the league, it creates so much buzz and so much excitement, and it is so good for the parity and the competitiveness, I think, of the league. Yeah, but like I said, I mean, some of these guys that start bitching with two years left on their deal, I. It does. It just has that I'm taking my ball and going home mentality. But, but at the same time, you didn't build around me. Well, you know what? How about you lift the rest of the team up, Chief? Yeah, but you know what? You can that also prevents is owners who want to keep rebuilding and rebuilding and selling tickets and selling tickets I'm, and keeping uh, their star player. That, that is fair. Now the star player says, "Hey, buddy, see ya. I'm going to this team who decided they didn't want to tank. They started a rebuild, and now we can go win a championship with them." That's what I like about it. Is it incentivizes teams to to keep something built long enough? Like, look at what the Raptors just did. Instead of completely blowing everything apart, they say, you know what, We're making, let's just try to get one guy. And that one guy made a difference. Who forced himself out of San Antonio yep. with a trade. Let's see if we can make that happen. And then they won a title for it. And they were they were rewarded for doing so. I think that is I do think you are seeing more teams, though, that are trying to do things like that. I mean, the only team that still seems really dysfunctional, there seems like there's really one dysfunctional team left in the league. Yeah, the Knicks. Right. That, I mean, that honestly, I, I think everybody else is trying. I mean, I don't know in Indiana if you could ever get you know, three max contract stars to come play for you. I just, you know, maybe you can, maybe you keep building, but they've, they've at least kept themselves relevant, right? I mean, they're a consistent playoff team. I, I you know, you're not a, 
you're not a, uh, a championship caliber team, but you've been consistently in the playoffs. Honestly, I mean, there's one team that's still dysfunctional. That's about it. The Knicks. The Knicks. And I it's mean, because just, the owner's a shithead. Yep. I mean, it's that absolutely simple. embarrassing. But I, I mean, again, that's why I kind of like the fact that the players have taken back the power because now when you have bad yeah, owners, I, yeah. you have bad management, I, they get screwed. I, I Like I said, I knew I, I told you I was going to sound hypocritical, and I, I know I do. I just I hate the take my ball and go home mentality. I hate that about everything. But why does everybody else get to have that mentality? I, why do the owners and the managers get to have that mentality? Because you know what? Deal. They put their money up to own a team. Yeah, well, guess what? They don't have a team without the stars. So, I mean, it go, that goes both ways. Whoever has the leverage gets to hold the ball and go home. But if I've got two years left on my deal, I don't have leverage. I shouldn't have leverage. Uh, i got two years but, left on my deal. But they clearly do. Oh, I know they clearly do. I get that. I don't like it. Well, I get it. Well, play your leverage, man, because the owners and the managers are going to do the exact same thing when it's time for them to use their leverage card. I think LeBron should own a team and see how it, see, see how he see how he constructs it. Oh, oh, I'm sorry, he almost does. My bad. Yeah. Well, first of all, he, there's no reason for him to own a team. He can be the GM of them while he's still playing on them and, and coach. And he doesn't have to pay for that's it. Correct. That's correct. That's 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 a good point. He gets to have that fun of doing. Yeah, that. he's playing point guard again exactly. now. Uh, <laughs> I love that. By the way, the man has had the ball in his hands at every point of his career. When has he not been a point guard? I was gonna say you don't you don't have to label him as such though. I mean, why do you have to label yourself as such? He's going back to point because because people have to rationalize rosters in their minds. I guess it's yeah. like. This is the whole point of having LeBron James. You can play anyone alongside him yes. because he plays all five positions. Yeah. That's the whole point. You're the one, two, three, four, and five tonight. He's moving back to point guard this year. First time since 2006. He's always you talking about. Say, are you, have you not watched him play? <laughs> the man has never not had the ball Correct. in his hands. Correct. But you got to label him. All right, Skinny. We've got one off the beat path right. topic for right. you. And uh, this one is, is pretty special. This is in uh, Clay County, Missouri. Police in Liberty, Missouri, were able to sniff out a hiding suspect after authorities say the suspect passed gas so loudly it gave away their hiding spot. In a Facebook post, Clay County, Missouri authorities say police were looking for a person who had a felony warrant out for arrest. That's when they say the suspect passed gas, leading police right to the suspected culprit. Authorities say the suspect was wanted for possession of a controlled substance. The person was arrested over the weekend on a Clay County warrant for possession of a controlled substance. We've got to give props to Liberty PD for using their senses to sniff them out, their Facebook post said. Skinny, what do you have on criminal who gets caught because they couldn't hold in a fart? Well, here's my question. Was the noise what tipped them off or was the smell what tipped them off? They said it was so loud. I know. That's that what it tipped them off. Well, he must have been trying to hold that big time and just couldn't well, do it any longer. Let's let's talk through this, okay? You're you're hiding from the cops. Yep. A little nervous. A little, a little anxiety going, right? I guess you get a little anxiety, but Stomach have you a little? ever had a fart that was so much on the precipitous of the hole that you couldn't hold it back while hiding from cops? Well, I haven't really. Well, I hid from cops one time in my life. Um, I mean, have but, you never been in church before? Like, what's the deal here, good, man? That's a good point. Like, too. everyone's had to hold a fart through church. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I, I've With never the pews. The I would pews. say have all optimal acoustics for farts. I've never heard one on a plane, but occasionally you do smell one, and you have to start looking around, going, "Which one of you peep that?" People that fart on planes are terrorists. I, uh, they're awful. They are terrorists. They are awful. It's 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 some of the worst ever. Now, do you think that the criminal thought it was an SBD? <laughs> like he was just going to squeeze one out, was going to be yeah, silent, but maybe throw the. Maybe it was going to be like a um, a deterrent because they were going to smell it and be like, "Oh, he must have gone this, this way. way." Yeah, yeah, as it wafted. Didn't it was the silent but deadly one? He got the loud. He got the loud and reverberating. But one. I don't think you take that chance if you're hiding from cops. Yeah, but I don't know, man. If you it, don't if trust it, a fart when you're hiding from cops, yeah. But if it was just one of those, that he just he couldn't hold back. Man, I, I can see it happening. I, I can't. I really can't. I cannot think of a position I've ever been in my life where I'm like, I can't hold back this fart for another couple of oh, minutes. I, I, I will say, man, I've been on a plane where I've had to, had to hold. It's like, 
can we land, please, yeah. for the love of Mary? You the first thing you do the night before. First thing you do, man, is you make a beeline to the to the bathroom and just it, it's the greatest feeling. Oh ever. no way, no way! I'm crop dusting everyone getting off that plane. Nah, as soon I as you get, I can't do that. As soon as you get it. to the little whatever that thing is that leads you back to the terminal, the, that little the gate jetway, the jet, jet yeah, bridge. the jetway. Yeah, as soon as you get on that thing, I'm just bam, bam, the walking farts right out of that plane. Yeah, I, I mean, I had one last year where a guy. I, 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 I remember this. You I, told I, me about this. Brutal. Yeah, gagged you. Brutal. I mean, it was like all of a sudden you called him out too. I mean, you didn't know who it was, right? No, I just yelled. I'm like, whoa, who did that? So all of a sudden I could tell the person next to me was like, oh my God, that is just truly awful. Yeah. I I thought I was going to gag right there on the plane. Do you agree though? Top acoustics for fart is probably a church. Um, metal chair, just a normal metal chair. If you're sitting out back, sitting out back in the summer, having a few beers, sitting on a metal chair. Well, that'll give you some good effects. Yes, it will. Yeah, because you can make some different noises. Yes, you with can. That one. Yes, you can. Um, I, the, see, see, the thing, I'm, a, I'm more of a purist. I like the nice, just wood effect of a nice pew in church. Plus, you've got the vaulted ceiling, so you can really get that, like acoustic music. Uh, acoustic, what is it called? Oh, liturgical music. There we go. I had acoustic in my brain yeah. there. Liturgical music, we used to have to go to that back at St. Pius where you'd literally just go for one hour a week and the teachers, I don't know if they had a happy hour in the lounge or whatever, but we'd all just sit there and <laughs> practice church songs. You pra- so it was literally just a reason for for one teacher to give out a bunch of detentions because kids were acting up because who's going to sit for an hour Correct. and practice Correct. church songs? Correct. And I will tell you, farts were a big part of the liturgical music game. Making sure you played them in tune or not? Yeah, I mean, figuring—I mean, figuring out who farted after you just heard a echo out through an empty church at St. Pius. You couldn't like figure out who that was. Well, I mean, you've got like an entire—you've got like three classes at a time, so there's like eighty to hundred. Usually, somebody kind of raises up at that stage of the game. Well, I'm sure there's a few guys kind of snickering, but everyone, you know, like the teacher doesn't know from a hundred yards away. Okay, I thought you meant like you guys don't know who's doing it among yourselves. No, the teachers trying to give out detentions for farting. One is just a ridiculous move. I don't think you should be allowed to do that. That's Constitutional. I don't know about unconstitutional, but that is a little much. Yeah, you want to talk about terrorists. <laughs> Giving those out in church. I like it. Rick, as always, I enjoyed it. We'll be back one week from today with another edition of the Skinny Podcast, the Popery edition. For Rick Broering, I'm Richard Skinner. As always, it's presented by Joseph Chevrolet. <laughs>